I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Good morning, Paul. Hello, sir. You know, we are having what the uh, news media characterizes as historic and catastrophic flooding down in Houston today. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, with the uh, remnants of Harvey. And I bring it up because something just really amused me, but not that the flooding is amusing, but it was the coverage that amused me. Uh, they were doing a live shot down where all this flooding is happening. And I mean, cars are all backed up onto a bridge because they can't get off the bridge because the, the road is underwater. And I mean, like, you know, several feet un- underwater. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a live mic, right? And the the little news lady runs over to this guy, big strapping fella who just got out of his car, and he is looking at the water. You can see the look of just horror on his face, like I am trapped on this bridge. You know, that is what his face is saying. And she puts the mic up under 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 his his, his mouth and says, "Sir, you know, uh, you know, wh- what are you seeing out here?" And he answers in this rumbling bass voice, "Shit, you tell me." and i was so glad i had that on dvr because i was like did he say what i think he just said and i rewound yep sure enough shit you tell me (laughs) (sighs) i love houston (laughs) so where you are out in the the dallas area uh relatively i mean winds probably rain but nothing consequential All we had yesterday uh, was clouds. Um, We're going to have clouds again today. We're going to have some rain. We won't have anything like the kind of rain that they're getting down there in Houston. And I'm going to go meteorological on you, Paul. Uh, We've got a high-pressure system sitting above us right now that's keeping all the rain down in Houston. Um, which, you know, typically what happens is when the hurricane season happens, that's what breaks our drought up here in North Texas. Cause we're usually in drought this time of year. We are not this year. We've had plenty of rain in uh, 2017, but that high pressure system that we've got is keeping the, uh, um, the hurricane where it is, which is what's causing the additional flooding, mm. uh, down at the Houston area. Cause typically it would have blown well North. Uh, what, what has happened with this hurricane is that, you know, when it, when it made landfall in the Corpus Christi Rockport area, it kind of moved a little bit east and it's just really just sitting there and it's stalling. And so the, the rain system is just dumping rain on the same parts of Texas without moving forward. Um, so that's what's going to happen because, I mean, as, as bad as the flooding is now in the Houston area, which is the dirty side of the hurricane, yeah. that's the right side, um, The the uh, it's not moving. It's just staying right there, and it's supposed to be there for another day or two. So, you know, so what still I hear lots- is that somehow it's Dallas's fault. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, what I will say, everybody, you know, it's really impacting Texas right now, but uh, you're going to notice it everywhere in the country because about a third of the oil and gas in in the United States is produced right where this hurricane is. Yeah. And there's been a tremendous punch to the uh, uh, petroleum and infrastructure down there. So, uh, you know, I I hope you filled up uh, prior to the weekend because uh, I am certain that the the gas pumps are going to reflect that any moment now. That's a bummer. Yeah. So far, it sounds like we've only lost one life in the in the storm. There was one confirmed uh, dead in Rockport. And keep in mind, Rockport's a city of about eighty five hundred people. It was a mandatory evacuation in that area. Um, 
and you know you still had folks who decided to to ride it out that they've ridden out previous hurricanes and whatnot and uh you know all the all the images i've seen about of rockport has been just you know fairly devastating but uh, you know i'm sure we'll see more in the houston area just you know the kind of stuff you see in floodings where people got too close to the creek or uh people went into uh, uh flooded roads that where the water came up over the car kind of thing yeah so that's your that's your weather and uh, we, we, sports and weather together here on uh, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Hey. Well, actually, sports. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, so, so I take it you did not watch the fight last night. Well, I I, I did not pay per view it, but you know there were a couple of people who were live streaming it on uh, Instagram last night, so I saw a little bit of it. Apparently, a lot of people saw it that way, either via Periscope or Facebook Live or any of those live streaming um, events. I did. I did pay for it. Um, a lot of the local I, places I, were I paying. I gotta tell you, that just surprises the hell out of me, Paul. You don't strike me as a uh, as a UFC boxing kind of guy. You know, I used to be very big into both. Oh, um, okay, but but you know, in recent years, I don't I don't even know in recent years. I don't know, but it just seems like um, for a number of years there hasn't been much there that's really interested me um, in in either UFC or boxing. I liked, uh, you know, I mean McGregor's. You know, an interesting guy, Mayweather, interesting guy. But, you know, when I was growing up, it was like De La Hoya and you had the Mike Tysons and, the, you know, all the, some of these great fighters. And, um, you know, I just never I just stopped following uh, both for a while. And so but this fight, you know, I was aware of both fighters. I mean, clearly I've been aware of Mayweather. I mean, the guy's been boxing for 20 years um, and McGregor's relatively new on the scene. But, you know, I. I I thought, you know what, this an opportunity for a good boxing match. Like it's been a long time. Oh yeah, there hasn't been a good, good, good boxing ticket in a long time, right? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> from what I understood, the projections, you know, just for getting in the ring, I think Mayweather got like a hundred million, and um, McGregor got thirty million. Uh -huh. And supposedly the projections were after you know profits and all that stuff. Uh, Mayweather was probably going to get closer to three fifty. With McGregor ending up somewhere around one thirty, something like that. Right, that's crazy. You know, I I would get in the ring and take a beating for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I'm yeah, just saying. I mean, just beat you know? the hell out of me. That's fine. yeah. <laughs> I mean, humiliate me. Yeah. I mean, just do it. <laughs> just spit on me when you're done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, I mean, shit. I yeah, I I would take that beating. I mean, it was pretty clear to me anyway that uh, McGregor was going to get his ass handed to him, having never been in, the, in a professional boxing match before. And no matter how tough you are as a uh, as a you know uh, you know fighting champion, uh, you still got to play by the rules in the boxing ring, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you know Mayweather May, Mayweather may be the best fighter uh, ever, and uh, I, I, there was just no doubt in my mind that he was just going to take a royal beating. So it's impressive that he lasted ten rounds. Well, and I will say, you know, I I looked, um, I, I I was actually hopeful for McGregor to to beat Mayweather. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not the biggest Mayweather fan, uh, you know, uh -huh. being a wife beater and all, but well, yeah. it's hard to be a fan of either one of them. Right. Cause they're both kind of thugs. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, but I, I, I was looking forward to, to the under, you know, the, uh, the underdog taking the day. Um, right. and you know, ultimately people will say, you know, well, McGregor lasted 10 rounds, McGregor lasted 10 rounds. And I, you know, even last night when the fight ended, I'm like, you know what? He got 10 rounds with, with Mayweather. Yeah. I mean, that's great. But then yeah. you realize, well, Technically, 
<laughs> Mayweather just was basically sizing him up and wearing him down. And then, because, like, as soon as that ninth um, round came out, May- and Mayweather, like, because, you know, they're like, this is this is not the type of fighting we see from Mayweather. This is not the type of fighting we see from Mayweather. He's really not doing much. He's really not doing much. As soon as that ninth round began, he just wailed on him. Yeah. And took him down halfway into the 10th round. He was basically just biding his time until McGregor wore himself out. And once you realize Wait. that, it's like, okay, well, he lasted 10 rounds because Mayweather let him last 10 rounds. Right. Well, and, you know, I, I am sure that there are people who, who paid for, for the, the pay-per-view, such as yourself, or even paid to sit in a seat in the in the ring, uh, who are thankful that it wasn't over in one round. Yeah. I mean, how many of those fights have we had? Mm-hmm. So, uh that you know, it's it's nice that that Mayweather made it an event for everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, the pre and it, it was a long evening because the preliminary uh, matches started at seven, our time, right. uh, seven East Coast time. Um, so I guess two. No, well, what am I thinking? Four, uh, Vegas time. But uh, the 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 boxing match itself wasn't until midnight East Coast. Well, time. and what and wasn't it delayed? Because I you know I, I read something where. Uh, uh, the Showtime's pay-per-view site crashed, and so they actually had to delay the main fight uh, because of because of the you know they couldn't get people logged in. There was a slight delay at some point, but it wasn't anything um, significant. It, they just oh, okay. you know it, it, when you're watching it on pay-per-view, they just had slight delay you know while we we're working on something. Gotcha, um, and it it was fine. Huh? Okay. Yeah. All right. So do, does that conclude our uh, sports and weather together here on Funny Books, or or did we need to talk about your fantasy football draft? Well, actually, what it does not conclude because I think we need to talk about lightning in the forecast. Lightning? Oh no, wait, thunder! Damn, I screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Paul! I know. <laughs> So Generations The Thunder, number one from Marvel, featuring the Mighty Thor and the Unworthy Thor, written by Jason Aaron, art, art by Mahmoud Asrar and Jordi Belair. This is, um, you know, the, this Generations line of books, uh, I believe, this is the only one I've read, but I believe they're all time travel books featuring the current incarnations of a character, um, kind of teamed up with the iconic classic iteration of the character. And so that is what we see here, kind of, in the Mighty Thor and the Unworthy Thor, featuring uh, Jane Foster Thor and Odinson. Um, however, it's an Odinson from prior to taking the mantle, uh, or the, the Mjolnir, um, the ownership right. of Mjolnir. Um, so he is a very young Thor. He's he's not un- he's not the actual he's not actually the Unworthy Thor in this book. He's just Thor Odinson. Well. But a little unworthy. A little unworthy. True. Yeah. True. According, not according to his hammer. Yeah. He's the not yet his... worthy Thor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, the book is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The the Mahmoud Azrar uh, uh, artwork is just just stunning. It's just a gorgeous book. I love the way he draws Odin. You know, he's just, there's just such a regalness to the way he draws Odin. Um. That my only complaint about it is, you know, that you've got that whole setup, which is, you know, fairly typical in this in this type of story with a Thor this age, you know, the young Thor, even the Thor um, who has the hammer, but before, you know, all of the drama in Asgard, where, you know, you, you've got 
before back in his Donald Blake days, right, yeah. and earlier, uh, where Odin's like, sit down, be you know, do what I tell you to do, be a proper son of Asgard, um, and you know, Od- uh, Thor goes running off to do something else because that's who he is. And there are no consequences to that at the end of the book, even though there is an epilogue at the end of the book, right? Yeah. You know, we, we never see, uh, you know, Odin discipline his son, as we've seen in other stories. And it just, it surprises me that we didn't see that at the end of the book. Well, and so that's my one complaint about this book. This book is gorgeous. It is well written. It's fun. However, uh-huh. it, it feels like it could have stood to use, um, it, it's a 30-page book. I would have... I feel like they should have gone 36, maybe 48 uh-huh. with it, because the story feels very rushed. Um, it does. Yeah, a, a super lot, compressed. Yeah, a lot happens without explanation or repercussions, to your point about, you know, um, Odin never really disciplines Thor. And, you know, the, the the big battle of this book is Mighty Thor and Unworthy Thor fighting Apocalypse but really, you don't actually see the main battle. Um, right. You know, they just say, well, when you team up, when when two, when you're against two Thors, you don't stand a chance. Fight's over. Um, yeah. You never find out why is Jane Foster Thor in the past at all? <laughs> How right. did that happen? Um, well, I, know, I, I, I was curious about that. I didn't know if that's going to be explained in the because you know we got that marvel legacies book which this seems to be pimping you know if you've enjoyed these earlier tales in in uh, marvel history maybe you'll enjoy really earlier tales in marvel <laughs> history in marvel legacies you know if you want to see more because we we see a little bit of odin getting it on with the phoenix force yeah. uh, in the pages of this book and you're like huh that's interesting. And, you know, you find out that that's going to be part of Marvel Legacies, that Odin's got himself a girlfriend of the Phoenix Force. But, uh, you know, he, in fact, there's a whole scene in the book where, you know, Odin's given up, given the Phoenix Force. Hey, you know, maybe call me, maybe, you know, uh, you know, it's a little pathetic. I, I'm sorry. That's not that's not the Odin. I know that's yeah. not the Odin. I know. But to be you fair, know. Aaron, you've never done it with the Phoenix. That's never, true. She, she could turn even gods to mush. And as Odin says, it's like making love to fire. And I've had that problem before. You got to get a shot. You know, <laughs> you, you got to go. You got to go to the doctor and get a shot because who burns when you pee? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is there is one part of this of this book that made me laugh out loud, Paul. Uh you know, it's after they have, you know, the uh, the two Thors, you know, the the Thor before the hammer and Lady Thor go into Egypt uh, to help defend the Vikings on their raid, beat down Apocalypse. <laughs> and Thor took the nose off of the Sphinx. I'm sorry. I thought that was pretty hysterical. And there is a scene with his with his goat. <laughs> dragging the uh, the the nose that they captured from the Sphinx through the sky. And I just, you know, I need to see one of those those jam pieces sometime of, you know, the, the treasure room in Asgard with the Sphinx nose just leaning against the corner. <laughs> I think that's just hysterical. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even catch that the first time I read it. Like, I, I, <laughs> I guess it's just something that happens in the background. They don't make, like, a huge thing of it. Yeah, it's when they're in the boats you know, uh, sailing back and it was just right after, uh, Jane Foster, Thor and Thor are having their conversation and you just see his, his goat pulling the nose through the air. That's hilarious. It is hilarious. 
It just it cracks me up. And then there's, you know, Thor is like, Onward, let us hasten back to your village so Thor can comfort the grieving widows. And they're like, but Thor, the few who fell in battle had no wives. Then I will comfort the wives of the ugly men. <laughs> the thunder god has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It, 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 it's Good a stuff. fun book. It does definitely um, set up things for Marvel Legacy number one, which I will be picking up. Um, I'm I'm thankful that Marvel is letting Jason Aaron kind of uh, take the reins on a, a large number of things because he right now since 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 Hickman left and Kieran Gillen left and Matt Fraction left, um, you know Jason Aaron's kind of their uh, their only non Bendis like really kind of world building type writer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like Dan Slott, and I, they have great writers, don't get me wrong, but Jason Aaron knows how to build a world and and tell a story, a long-form story, whereas I, I feel most of the other writers have not had that. Yeah. No, it's it's great stuff. Hey, I got a question for you. I was thinking about this the other day. How long has it been since uh, Thor has been unworthy? Are we talking two years now, three years? Three years, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is – it's one of those things where – you know, typically speaking, when they do something like that, when it's okay, you're not going to be Thor anymore. We're going to have somebody else be Thor. Generally, we're talking twelve months, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, I, I, I really, I know it's driven some readers away, such as Tim. But I, I'm, I like how much room they're giving this story to breathe. I am too. I feel like they're they are genuinely giving us an opportunity to enjoy Jane Foster Thor before mm-hmm. they take her away. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It's yeah. kind of cool. And, and you know, they, they can only do that with a writer such as Jason Aaron that they trust and who brings in the readers. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Thor has been blessed by a tremendous team of artists in, in the time that uh, Jason Aaron's been on that book. Oh, yeah. So, you know, good stuff. I, I really enjoyed this book. It was, you know, it was a one shot. Uh, it was a lot of fun and a nice glimpse into both characters because you get a lot of their own uh, uh, personal narrative. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to talk this week about the big DC comic book news. Well, there was lots of DC comic book news, right? There was. Um, so I'm going to start by talking about the the Batman news, the Ben Affleck Batman news. So Matt Reeves is doing a film called The Batman, featuring Ben Affleck Batman, and he was he was kind of misquoted in a in a podcast interview that came out a month ago. Podcast interview was a month ago, but this past week, everyone kind of latched onto something where he said, no, it's not, it, it, where he's like, you know, I, I did the film because they told me it wouldn't be part of the larger universe and I could just do my own thing. And everyone took that to mean that, oh my gosh, he's doing, you know, like his Batman film isn't tied at all to the DC cinematic universe. Ben Affleck's not going to be Batman. Every news site published this story, but no one actually ex- reached out to Warner Brothers or to Matt Reeves to confirm. Right. And so the next day, Marys is like, "Hey guys, it, n- not not what I meant. <laughs> I just meant that. <laughs> I just meant that we don't. It's not going to be one of those things that features a ton of cameos and ties in like a civil war. He's like, it's it's going to be it's a standalone movie. That's what I meant. Right. right. And everyone's like, oh oh oh. And I'm like, ah. ah. Um, <laughs> however, there was other news that Todd Phillips, the director of The Hangover and a, and a couple of other uh, films, uh, is teaming up with Martin Scorsese to do a Joker film 
that and that is supposedly going to be not tied in at all to the DC Cinematic Universe. It's going to be a Joker origin tale, which my mind instantly goes to Killing Joke. Are you know are, are we going to get a Todd or a Red Hood perhaps? Are we going to get Todd Phillips and Martin Scorsese doing a a, a Killing Joke movie? That that seems interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is the one that is supposed to take place in the eighties. Right. It's it's set in the 80s. It's not going to have Jared Leto in it. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. It, it surprises me that they're doing a, a Joker origin story and not using their Joker. Well, and supposedly, <clears throat> excuse me, their Joker is going to be they, they announced there's going to be a Batman or excuse me, a Joker Harley movie. And they're still working on Suicide Squad, too. And they're still working on Gotham City Sirens. Um, so, I mean, there, there's there's plenty of Joker Jared Leto Joker coming up. He's confirmed that he's going to be returning to the role. Um, but I, I find it interesting that, and I will tell you, I have no faith that this Martin Scorsese Joker film is going to happen. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> it it kind of feels like when they announced Batman Year One, directed by Frank Miller and Darren Aronofsky, like that shit never happened. I really don't think this is going to happen either. No, I agree. I, I don't think I don't think I think that sounds pie in the sky. It almost sounds like, hey, let's send up a send up the flag and see if anybody salutes. Yeah, exactly. you know. And there's a whole. I mean, every article you read is like, did anybody want this? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah, it's you know they were like, well, it's DC movies equivalent of Elseworlds, and I'm like, but that doesn't really work right. um, in a movie theater. You know, it, it 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 does not work in a movie theater. It works in comics, and it works on the small screen. You know, you can have. A Superman comic book or a Superman TV show, or I should probably say like yeah, a Flash you, you... TV show and a Flash cartoon, and people know it's not the same shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it just seems weird. If you're building a cinematic universe, why would you split it so soon? I mean, it's like DC doesn't know who they are. You yeah. Know, you'd never you'd never see Marvel do this. And I mean, I'd be looking across the street going, well, OK, what's Marvel doing? Because it seems to be working for them. Yeah, agreed. It's oh, and speak, speak, speaking of Marvel, I finished The Defenders this weekend. Oh, I haven't. I'm, I, oh. I, I, I've jumped back into Luke Cage to finish that off first. I'm just. I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody other than to say worth the watch. I really enjoy. I enjoyed every bit of that show. Hmm. Well, I am yeah. looking forward to finally getting to it eventually. If you are familiar with the characters, you will be able to see some things that are coming before they happen in, in the show, but. Very satisfying. Some things that I had wanted to happen earlier in Luke Cage uh, happen in uh, The Defenders. Mm -hmm. And there are some straight up moments uh, out of the Daredevil comics that that happen in The Defenders. So uh, I I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a good watch. I'm I'm eager for you to uh, finish it so we can talk about it on the mics. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful to get through Luke Cage, through Iron Fist, through Defenders before Stranger Things Season 2 comes out. Excellent. So, Paul, I I had I, I was up to my ears this week in work at the office uh-huh. and, uh, you know, I had to barricade myself in my office to, uh, you know, work on a bunch of, of stuff. And, and one of the things I did was listen to a ton of podcasts while I was working and I listened to three of the four Hauntsman episodes um, I thought you were going to say three of the four Hauntsmen. That fourth one, <laughs> screw that guy. Yeah, <laughs> hate that guy. Um, no, I listened to, to three of your four Huntsman podcast Huntsman podcasts, uh, which are here on iomgeek.com or ideologyofmadness.com, however you want to find our site. 
Um, and I gotta say, uh, you, you guys are, you guys are great. You guys have uh, good chemistry. Uh, I, I am not a, uh, amusement park guy or a haunted house guy. I enjoy a haunted house, uh, you know, from time to time, but, uh, I am not the, the, the horror haunt fan, uh, that you guys are, but I will say I was listening and, uh, you guys were, uh, uh, lamenting about how, Halloween Horror Nights did not come forth at the end of their big site countdown and <laughs> yes. reveal a you know provide any meaningful information in a press release rather they they said you know the countdown wound up being a reveal to a contest and you guys spent about half of your episode uh you know fussing about that and at one point <laughs> I was like Jesus Christ guys grow up get over it <laughs> <laughs> and I realized I sat there for a second and said, huh, that's probably the same thing people say about us on funny books. <laughs> <laughs> probably. You know, when, when we're bitching about, you know, give me my Thor back, give me my Nightwing back. We want our old universe. We don't want this new 52. They're saying the same thing. Guys, just a comic book. Get the fuck over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I recognize that you got a whole different geek than I do in that regard, Paul, and I respect it. But I, but I, I, it, it was this moment of, huh, huh, people are thinking the same thing about us. <laughs> <laughs> this moment of self-realization sponsored by Four Hauntsmen, <laughs> Funny Books with Aaron Apolli, and IOMGeek.com. I, I will say, you know, uh, your your geek on that show is tangible. Um, it is it, it is inspiring in some regard. And it made me look at uh, amusement parks in a whole different way. You know, I I I don't see I, I had not seen them quite the way you guys do, and it really did uh, uh, inspire me in, in, in a different way, in a different view of. Uh, of amusement parks. And I will say, I listened to a podcast uh, the other day that I think you would enjoy. Um, it's the James Bonding podcast. Okay. And they did, they did a bit on the James Bonding podcast about pitching a James Bond themed uh, amusement park. Hmm. And they spent like two hours and I mean, had really great ideas about rides and themes and that kind of thing. Uh, so you might check that out, Paul. I think it'd be up your alley. I certainly will. It's a, it's, I'm sure it's different than the James Bondage <laughs> podcast. Yeah, no, it's James Bonding. James, okay. uh, bondage, James Bondage is a whole different thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Just <laughs> wanted to be sure before I look it up. That's right. That's right. You might want to look it up at home. Don't do that at the office. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, Four Hauntsmen, I, I highly recommend it. It was, it was very enjoyable to listen to. Well, thank Particularly... You. The protein shake incident. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, a couple more books we wanted to talk about this week from DC Comics. We've we've talked we've done our uh, obligatory Marvel conversation. Back to DC, <laughs> and I say that because and it makes me feel like a joke, like a jerk. Like we're not the DC com Comics podcast, but it's just where our tastes are right now. Um, right. For anyone who's listened to the podcast, you know, we go through cycles and eventually DC will fuck up and we'll hop back to Marvel because that's what typically <laughs> happens. Um, but, we could go to Boom. <laughs> we you never know. Well, I do have 12 issues of Providence that were uh, on sale in the Avatar press sale from a couple weeks Ditto. ago. So I, I, I really want to finish that series. Yeah, I just I, I haven't I haven't been able to do it yet. 
Paul. I've got them. I just haven't been able to do it yet. Yeah, it's not a it's not a light read. It's definitely an investment of time and energy and, and attention. And energy. I mean, yeah, yeah you really got to pay attention on that book because so much is happening in every panel. Um, it, it's kind of an exhausting read. Now, you know, it's intentional. I mean, the uh, the the artist and the writer, Alan Moore, uh, are really, you know, they put a lot of energy into it and they expect you to do the same. Agreed. You know, so this week, Action Comics number 986 came out. And uh, I'm not comparing it to an Alan Moore book. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, you, you see that it's by a guest creative team, Rob Williams and Guillaume March. You know, um, typically the creative team is Dan Jurgens and a rotating series of artists. Um, but th- this book, for a for what I perceived as a fill-in issue, a lot actually happens in this book pertaining to ongoing storylines. Um, for example, you know they they have not made reference much reference to Lex Luthor and his his ties to Apocalypse now at the end of the Dark Side War since the end of that book. You know he's popped up in the Superman armor. We know it's Apocalyptian, but nothing has really been mentioned as far as the powers of Darkseid that he inherited at the end of that storyline until this book. And you see that yeah. the more he uses that technology, the more he, he turns into Darkseid. Um, and, and on top of that, even more so than that, we get the biggest hint so far as to who Mr. Oz is at the end of this book with a fill-in writer. Like it's mm-hmm. it's surprising to me how much happens in this book. So if you were skipping this book because you're like, oh, it's a fill in, it's not by the creative team, I highly recommend you jump into this book. Yeah. So so Aaron, go ahead. I, first off, I just want to say I hated the covers on this book. Yeah, I, yeah. That first one that was like them fighting. It looked like them fighting in the mouth of a giant monkey. Like that doesn't uh-huh. happen. Yeah, and, and, and that's that was about what I was about to say. I mean, I'm like, where does this come from? You know what? Why? <laughs> it's like he's trying to feed uh, Lex Luthor is trying to feed Superman to some giant monkey creature uh, that's blasting what looks like kryptonite radiation out of its mouth. Yeah, which is cool. If you've got a giant monkey that blasts uh, kryptonite radiation out of its mouth, you want to eat Superman, right? I mean, why wouldn't you? I guess my point is, is that this just seems like uh, slash fiction that Lex Luthor himself has drawn. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I really hated the cover, despite the fact that it didn't happen in the book. I just don't think it's very well drawn, nor do I think that the other cover is well drawn. You know, where it's got Superman falling out of the sky with Lex Luthor racing up beneath him. Yeah, that was I just, I don't, cover. Yeah, and the reason why I pointed out is that so many of the Rebirth covers have just been fantastic. I mean, I would say, you know, nine out of ten of these these uh, books have just amazing covers. Uh, not so for this issue of Action Comics. Um, but I will tell you that the interior art is pretty darn good, though not typical of a Superman book. Um but the, the the first page I was really taken with because Lex Luthor's armor seems to be super patriot armor. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I, I love that, you know, his whole arm turns into a gun. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But the 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 artwork itself, you know, Superman is drawn almost maniacally on some of these pages and which led me to believe that perhaps he was being mind chipped as well because Lex Luthor is being mind chipped through this book by uh, one of the other villains and controlled and you know sent against Superman it was hard to tell which one of them was was being controlled I mean there there are some pages where where Superman is just wild-eyed yeah right 
and that's not who Superman is. Superman's kind of a an in control kind of guy. So the, the artwork didn't work on certain pages and panels. But what I did think was a really nice effect is that helmet that Lex Luthor's wearing when he's in space, and the image inside the helmet is looking more and more like Darkseid. I thought that was kind of cool. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm looking for the panel, but I, I I didn't mind the art. It was definitely, to your point, different. Uh huh. Um, you know, certainly different from the art that we've seen on the other Superman book. Action Comics hasn't necessarily been consistent. Right. You know, with, with Dan Jurgens being the only consistency on the book, um, you know, they, they've just kind of mixed it up on artists since. So um, I will say that's one thing they probably, for me, Action Comics needs a regular rotating series of artists. Yeah. Uh, for consistency's sake. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the crazy eyes thing seems to be consistent across both Superman and Lex throughout the book. Yeah. Uh, so like when Mr. Oz shows up in Lex Luthor's laboratory at the end of the book, Lex has the crazy eyes as well. And Lex isn't a crazy eyed guy. No. Yeah, you know, particularly particularly the Lex of the Rebirth New Fifty Two era in DC Comics. You know, he is very much a got it together kind of guy. Um and so, I mean, the, where he look, he doesn't look angry. He doesn't look focused. He looks panicked on the page where he's suiting up. Um, and that's just very startling to see that because that is not who Lex Luthor is. And then the, the scene, you know, his uh, his armor is blowing up and he looks crazy in that on that panel. He looks more like uh, uh, who is that? That bald Nazi villain of Captain America's. Um, oh, gosh. I can't remember his name, but he looks more like that guy, you know, uh, yeah. Baron. It's not Baron Zemo. It's Baron something or other. Strucker. But uh, yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's what he looks like. He doesn't look like Lex. Yeah. And I, I, I think that. that's a I think that's a problem because you've got somebody who's just drawing and he's just he, he's he's not he's he's drawing the acting of the characters, but he's not being true to the character. Agreed. You know, he's trying he's trying to display this is this is how the, the character is feeling. But these are not who these characters are. I think it's just an exaggerated um, an overly exaggerated emotions uh, right. type of artist. Uh, you know, you're mentioning that that concluding scene now more than ever. I'm convinced Mr. Oz is Jor-El. Really? Yeah. He shot laser beams out of his eyes and he destroyed the Superman symbol on Lex's armor like he wasn't. Fit oh, to wear it. Good point. Good point. He says. He says you are not him. You will never be Superman. You cannot escape the base iniquity of your race. You will only ever be human. I, I feel like this is Jarrell. You could be right. So you could be right. Which I am interested in, and also like I, I'm torn. We'll find out in two weeks. Uh, in Action Comics number 97, but I'm torn. Like, I kind of wanted it to be Ozymandias, Ozymandias, I should say. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, this explains why it's more of a Superman story, Mr. Oz, than right. an other people's story. Right. Well, and in all fairness, you know, one, if you're looking at the Watchmen books, it's hard to understand how, you know, Ozymandias survives the, the, the Watchmen books. Easy to understand how Dr. Manhattan, you know, moves yeah. from universe to universe and why the hell – it seems like the only reason, you know, Ozymandias would, would make the uh, the uh, travel over would be as if, you know, Dr. Manhattan brought him, 
right? Which he wouldn't, right? I mean, that's right. the thing. Like he was, yeah. he was not a, he was not fond right. of uh, of Ozzy Mendias at the end of that series. So yeah. why no, would he? I, I, yeah, I think Jor-El makes more sense. How? Yeah, I, I, but I think what we're going to discover is that you know this isn't this isn't your daddy's Jor-El, right? This is this is not the Jor-El who's all warm and fuzzy. I love my son. I think this is going to be a, a Jor-El who's perhaps disappointed in his son's performance. Yeah. Right. And you're going to see this is this is like this is a hell of a retcon. Um, right. If it is. And, you know, maybe at the end of Doomsday Clock, Superman will have to make that choice between keeping his father or, re, you know, reestablishing history as it should be, um, you know, and, and with Jor-El passing away. So we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where the storyline's going. I'm excited because now we're going to see. The Oz effect in the pages of new of um, action comics. We're going to see um, Tim Drake return in the pages of Detective Comics, and we're getting Doomsday Clock, and we're getting DC Metal. Lots of things converging on the DC universe at the same time. Well, and you know, if it is Jor-El, I you know, there's one thing that that I'm that that always kind of bugs me about these you know Jor-El Superman stories is why isn't it ever Lara, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it. it we always lean into the father-son relationship uh, between, you know, Jor-El and Kal-El and between Clark and Jonathan. Uh, we sometimes lean into the Martha-Clark relationship, but very little, very, very rarely do we lean into the Lara Kal-El. And uh, so that's, that's something I'm, I'm curious about, why, why we're not doing that as well. No, I, I see your point. Um, and uh-huh. it's, I think it's a missed opportunity. To your point, I think that there's just that opportunity. People usually just look for the Jor-El piece. Uh-huh. Of but, yeah. um, you know, hmm, no, good point. Yeah. So I'm going to complain about a story I haven't read yet. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> maybe maybe because, Mr. Because Oz is Lara in drag. It could be. Could be. She's a very manly looking, uh, you know, Lara L. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so also from DC Comics this week, we had the continuation of these Jack Kirby 100 books. I believe next week is the last one with Darkseid. Manhunter came out this week, uh, written by, well, I should say written and drawn by Keith Giffen. um, And Dan DiDio. And Dan DiDio uh, did the words, so I guess Uh uh, perhaps... um, and Mark Buckingham on art as well. So pretty pretty stellar team. Keith Giffen, Mark Buckingham, Dan DiDio. Uh, yeah, I think Keith Giffen did the layouts on it, but uh, uh, Mark Buckingham did the uh, uh, finishes. Yeah, and it, this very much looks like a Keith Giffen laid out book because you know he 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 very much has that Jack Kirby sensibility when he wants to. Right. And Dan- I thought. Go ahead. I'm go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go. No, I was going to say, and they've worked together before, Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen on Jack right. Kirby related um, titles mm-hmm. like OMAC and, and things like that. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say it's a gorgeous book. It is. Um, I love, I love I, that style. Yeah. And it's it's got that real balls out sort of action that, uh, that, that Kirby was famous for and very much an homage to the way Jack Kirby told a story visually. And and I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I dug the hell out of this book. But I will say I would not want to buy this book every month. Right. No. Um, I, the but it was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's great as a one shot. But this is not at all a book I would be interested in in reading, you know, month over month. But I did get get a kick out of um, it wasn't just the original Manhunter, you know, Paul Kirk as Manhunter, 
big big game hunter in the, in the jungle uh, comes back to hunt a different game to hunt the most dangerous game man hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know and fight crime and what all and then runs into the original Sandman right and his sidekick Sandy uh, which just cracks me up. And you know, gets a big lecture on, on how you ought to fight crime. And I, I, I thought this book worked really well, and it was truly a slice of life out of that era of, of comic storytelling. Uh, but again, this was, was not at all a story I would have wanted uh, to read every month. But the, the Etrigan, uh, the demon story, uh, elsewhere in the book is beautiful yeah it is just a, a Stephen rude right did yes. the artwork the, mm-hmm. uh and the book is the, the story is just gorgeous i wouldn't say that the story is great in terms no, of I felt uh, like it, it definitely uh, needed more room to breathe yeah but it the 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 images just pop off the page they are just super gorgeous and then we're also provided a story at the at the end of the book that is a straight up Jack Kirby written and drawn story, and it is a horror story. Again, another story I've never seen before. Uh, you know, very much kind of a Twilight Zoney thing until it turns into it has a very mundane exp, uh, explanation at the end of the book. At the end of the story, I was I was very disappointed in the, you know, damn you kids, I'd have gotten away with it, you know, <laughs> that very Scooby Doo sort of ending. Yeah, uh, you know, it was, it, that was a, that was a, a a bit of a letdown. You know, I, I will say I I didn't read it. I, I you did Yeah, it's not like I didn't want to. I just ran out of time. Yeah. Well, did you take a look at the uh, the uh, you know pages from the future at the end of the book? I did. The just imagine the rocket lanes of tomorrow. <laughs> you will be going to work in a rocket, Paul. <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting. These are a Department of Science and Invention uh, uh, bit of interest, uh, <laughs> bit of information. Uh, the, also, the Trans World Tunnels. There will be a tunnel between China and the United States. It'll be eight thousand miles long, and it will make it so easy for you to get to work in China. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I can't I can't wait for that trans world tunnel to, to be built. And just baby. imagine a world of thinking robots. Which, <laughs> you know, actually this is kind of happening right now. Yeah. It really kind of is. <laughs> you know, I mean he he he's got his whole thing about the robots that are cleaning your house and I'm like, well, there are Roombas. Yeah. Um so Anyway, I, I thought this book was a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoyed this. I love this little tribute they're doing to Jack Kirby. Yeah, agreed. Well, and it will continue next week in the pages of there's two Jack Kirby specials next week. So keep in mind next week being a fifth week, um, a bit of a reduced number of titles. But the what is coming out is rather big. You have the Black Racer and Shiloh Norman special written by Reginald Hutland, art by Ryan Benjamin, Dennis Cowan, Tom Derenick. Um, it, it's a Black Racer Shiloh Norman oversized special includes classic Jack Kirby. I'm 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 likely picking that one up. Yeah. Um, in addition, I think I am. I think I'm I think I'm picking up both next week. Yep. Because next week is also the Dark Side special. Um, feature stories by Mark Evanier, Sam Humphreys, Paul Levitz, art by Phil Hester, Scott Collins, and Steve Rude. Pretty exciting. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, the Jack Kirby 99th birthday is August 28th. 
So uh, thus, thus next week being or this coming week being the uh, the the big payoff to all of this Jack Kirby stuff we've been saying. And from Marvel Comics, the conclusion of Secret Empire, Secret Empire number 10 is coming out. They are actually ending Secret Empire before they begin Marvel Legacy. It seems unusual. Yeah. That, that one crossover ends before they, they ruin the ending in another book. But that <laughs> is what is happening because um, Marvel Legacy doesn't come out until next month. So That's just crazy talk, Paul. That's I crazy know. talk. It is very unusual. So all that and more next week. Well, what, I feel like you want to tell me something, Paul. There, there is a disturbance in the force. There is. So two years ago... Uh, uh, late uh, August or no, it was in September. I think it was first weekend of September. I don't remember exactly when it was, but um, <laughs> in preparation for the release of Star Wars: The Force Awakens uh, line of action figures and and merchandise and things like that, multiple retailers had a what was called Force Friday. It was uh, at midnight. Target, Walmart. Uh, Toys R Us, a bunch of par- retailers participated. Uh, we did a video on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ideology of madness. Um, it's actually one of our more popular videos because people really enjoyed us hopping from store to store to store, looking at the, all the cool merchandise. Um, really enjoyed that. The following year, they did the same thing for Rogue One. It was called Rogue Friday. Well, this coming September 1st, uh, th- so Thursday night at midnight, is Force Friday 2, um, and a bunch of retailers are participating. Target, Toys R Us, uh, Best Buy looks like it's participating this time, Walmart. Um, I will likely be at Toys R Us because they are giving away a free t-shirt. Um, but uh, Thursday night, midnight, if you are a Star Wars fan, you're looking forward to seeing some Last Jedi merchandise, come hang out with the other 40-year-olds and uh, let, <laughs> let, let, let's go waste some money on some merchandise that's going to sit in the box on the shelf. But um, I, I say that in jest, but it, ultimately that's really what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm excited about Force Friday. There's nothing in particular that's really exciting me as far as the merchandise, but I do enjoy going for the experience, hanging out with other, other Star Wars fans, um, and just kind of looking at the merchandise. And we will have a video on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, the, the prob- um, I'm, I'm likely going to say probably next Saturday. Uh, we'll have the video up so you guys can see our Force Friday experience. Excellent. Well, Paul. Yes, sir. I want you to have a great week. I'm going to have an excellent week. You do it, Paul. And hey, if you are listening sir. to this on iomgeek.com or iTunes or wherever you're listening to this, make sure to wish Aaron a happy birthday. Well, thank you, Paul. Or on Twitter. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I share that birthday with Mr. With, with the king himself. Jack Kirby, yes. though I, I won't be 99. <laughs> <laughs> or will you? <laughs> well, I look really good for 99. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. You guys have a good one. Take care. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>